History Nerds United. Hello, nerds. Special episode today. I have a fellow podcaster on here to talk with me, TK from the For the Love of History podcast. I love it. She's amazing. She puts so much effort into it. She's going to talk about how much effort she puts into it. Amazing conversation to talk to another nerd like me who really suffers for you, the listener. Well, let's get to her. TK wants to talk to you guys so you can hear everything about it. Here we go. Here's the episode. All right, here we go, nerds. TK Taya from For the Love of History podcast. Taya, thank you so much for being here. You are so welcome. I am so excited. I don't have a lot of opportunities to get interviewed about me. Usually it's about history. So I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited too. This is the first podcaster that I've interviewed. And something else too, I think, I don't want to start this off negatively. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of history podcasts and some of them are, they're rough to listen to. And I'm a history nerd. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's kind of one of the reasons why I started my own because I was trying to find a history podcast to listen to during the pandemic. And I was like, well, I don't really want to listen to an episode about World War II for the 11,000th time or listen about royal family again. I'm done. I'm over it. There's so much more to do. And you are on here because you're one of my favorites. I listen. And I'm kind of like, oh, oh, first of all, I haven't heard of this before. Oh, She's not speaking in monotone the entire time. She's excited about this. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about how just absolutely amazing you are on social media, which I'm terrible at it. No, it's just because you need practice. That's it. It's all about practice. No, Tay, it's because I'm too old for this stuff, okay? I'm just no! limping along. Now, I am talking to you. This is a Saturday night in Virginia. I am talking to Mm -hmm. you in Japan, which I think is like the following Thursday. Like you're in the future right now, right? I am in the future. I'm actually in the year 2023. Uh, Just kidding. (laughs) It is Sunday. It's nine o'clock in the morning, which is fine because I usually wake up at 5 a.m. So we're good. I slept in. Perfect. Now, let's start with little Taya. All right. Were you born in Japan? How did you end up in Japan? Um, no, uh, I was born in steamy, tiny little Salina, Kansas during a, uh, tornado, born in a tiny little clinic. Cause my mom couldn't get to the hospital cause there was a tornado and lived there for a while and then moved around every four years. Cause my dad was in the military, but my love for Japan started when I was about three years old and my mom let me go to the library and choose whatever VHS I wanted to. <laughs> we might have to explain what that is to Heather. Okay, for the for the children out there, uh, a VHS is a tape that it's almost like a, a big fat DVD. If you took a bunch of DVDs and you stacked them all together and you put some tape on the inside, that's a VHS. And you had to rewind it too. Oh my God. We had to rewind VHSs. <laughs> A military brat, because uh, I'm former army yes. myself, so I kind of know a little bit about the life. Oh, where was your favorite stop when you were bouncing around? Ooh, my favorite stop was Germany. We lived in Germany for four years, and so I went to high school in Germany. I actually lived in Virginia too. Yeah, so Germany was definitely my favorite place to be. I loved it so much. And now, how did you finally end up in Japan? I went to 
university in Idaho because military grants get a huge discount for university. And my Nana lived in Idaho. So I was like, might as well go. And they had a great nursing program there. And I was like, I'm going to be a nurse. Yay. No, mm -mm, not going to be a nurse. I can't do blood, can't do needles. (laughs) So I decided to become a history teacher. And I did one year of student teaching and then one year of actual teaching in a junior high school where I was a world history teacher. And then I was just like, I need, I need to go. I need to get out of here because I'd been living in Idaho for so long. And my military brat brain was going, you've lived here for five years. It's time to get out. So uh, I had a midnight existential crisis where I Googled how to teach in other countries. And I found the job that I previously had and just decided to move to Japan. Two suitcases and the clothes on my back is what I moved here with. (laughs) The next obvious question, did you speak any Japanese at that point? Not a lick, not a bit. I could say konnichiwa horribly. And then point. That is that was all I had. <laughs> and how much do you have now? You are teaching in Japan. So how much do you have now? So much more. I, I can go to the bank. I can talk to people. I can go to the grocery store. I can have full-on conversations with my Japanese coworkers. Going to the to the doctors is still a little bit scary just because yeah. there's like a lot of hard words. So my husband, who's actually he's Japanese, he comes with me sometimes. <laughs> So not sometimes, a lot of the time, most of the time he comes with me to just translate for me. And I can understand, but then there's some of the technical words and I'm like, what did I just say? I have no idea. So yeah, my Japanese is much better now. (laughs) Thank goodness. I have a feeling it would have been rough if he never picked up anything. So rough, so rough. And there are people, not to like be shady, but there are people who live here for a long time and don't pick up anything. So you want to name them on the podcast right now? We can put it out there. I do. I do. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> All right. So you've already talked about you wanted to be a history teacher. So is history something that you've just loved since day one? Did you catch the bug because of something along the way? How'd you get there? Um, so I actually hated reading and I hated history when I was a kid. <laughs> um, until I was about, I think it was like 10 years old. When my dad was like, I cannot have this because he's a history buff. So he got me a book called The Secret Journey. It was like a historic fiction book. And it was about this girl whose parents were sick. And so they went to India to get like the fresh air. This was back in like the 1800s. And so they left her in England. And then she traveled with her little monkey friend. And there was like history things all along the way. And when she found her parents in India, she like had an adventure in India. So After that, I was like, okay, I think I can get into history. This is cool. And then um, I kind of casually liked it. And in university, when I was having my uh, first existential crisis of, oh, no, I don't want to be a nurse. So (laughs) my dad suggested just take some general classes. And I took an East Asian history, like a general class. And my professor had a giant picture of Tokugawa Ieyasu up on the projector. This guy looks really freaking cool. And we talked about Japanese history and I was absolutely hooked from that point on. And I changed my degree right after that lesson. 
Now, Japanese history, is that your number one? I mean, every history nerd has a very specific era. We'll, we'll read and listen to anything, but there's always a particular <laughs> love. Is yours Japanese history? Yep, Japanese history, specifically ancient Japanese history, either the Heian period or I love the Edo period with like the samurais and the Japan being closed off for 300 years. I love that so much. I could read anything, listen to anything all day, every day. <laughs> well, that just makes me have to ask the question, what is the Tom Cruise movie, The Last Samurai? How ridiculous is that movie? Is it the worst ever or is it like fun in a weird way? It's fun in a weird way because there were like a ton, not a ton. When I say a ton, I mean like five. There's like five foreign samurais um, that were in history. And actually Tom Cruise's character is like an amalgamation of two real actual historical figures. So the historical accuracy is like meh, at best, but it's not like, oh God, it's not terrible, but it is a really fun movie to watch. All right, so you're in Japan. You know you love history. We have already established, right, listening to podcasts, and you're like, ah, this is, this is not scratching the itch. What made you decide to take the leap and start spending an inordinate amount of your time putting together a podcast? Because I know that's how long it takes. So much time. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else calls them this, but I call them pandemic podcasts because there was a huge boom of people starting podcasts during 2020, like that that first few months of 2020 when people were like, oh no, we're going to be inside for a while. And I was the same way. I just thought, oh man, I really want to do something with my history again, because my friends and my family and my boyfriend, now my husband, just couldn't stand me talking about one more piece of historical whatever was floating around my brain. So I thought I really need to have an outlet. And so my husband was like, you talk so much. Can you do anything with that? <laughs> like, uh, rude, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. No, he's not wrong. So I just thought I listen to podcasts all the time. Maybe I can start a podcast. So what I did was I picked a topic, the Aztec Turkey God. And I decided to just record my voice for like 30 minutes on my phone and then send it to all my friends to see if they would just be remotely interested in hearing me talk about history stuff. And I got a really positive feedback from it. They were like, audio quality is garbage, but I could listen to you talk about this all day. I was like, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. So then I started a podcast with potato quality audio and no idea, but I was armed with GarageBand and my laptop and that's how we got started. <laughs> I mean, it's both rewarding and a huge pain in the ass, right? Truly. You, you have to kind of keep it going. You have to stay on some semblance of a schedule. Yeah. But as big as history is, focusing on something and being able to say, oh, this is going to be interesting – that's rough. I mean, I just do these little nuggets Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which are like three lines. Mm -hmm. People have said, why don't you try and do something like what you're doing where you go talk about something for 15 or 20 minutes. I'm like, the interviews alone are taking up half my life. To do the research that you do is 10 times harder, it seems. Your interviews are so good. 
you must put so much effort in them. I was listening to a few of them. That takes a lot of time. So please do not discredit yourself. It takes a ton of effort. (laughs) We're cutting that out. I don't do well with praise. Keep going. Okay. (laughs) The research can be quite overwhelming sometimes. Like I'll have an idea for a topic because I'll find it from an article or I'll be like, oh, I remember somebody saying something about this. Or I'll be watching a documentary and think like, oh, this is really cool. I wonder if there's more to this. And then I'll start researching and then find out, oh, no, this is not at all what I thought it was. And then just be swept away in a tangent on something completely different. And so finding a way to loop back to the original topic or to do enough research to make sure that I'm not saying something wrong is really, really hard. I was doing a episode on the Red Sparrow Academy. And I was looking at the book that the CIA agent, who was like a CIA agent for like 33 years, I was looking at his research, and I was looking at other people's research. Is, is this real what he's talking about? Because this source says something else. And then we have all of these other people who are saying other things. And then the Russian resources that I'm looking at and the American and the UK resources that I'm looking at are totally different. So then you have to sift through the bias of each country that's telling these stories. And it just kind of gets out of hand real quick. And at some point you have to, I've had to do it. At some point you have to say, you know what, I'm just going to believe this person and just roll on with my life. Exactly. It's like the worst part of English and science in one, right? Because there's fact somewhere there. Mm -hmm. Then you get caught in the problem with English, which is, well, how do we define worst hurricane, worst earthquake or something like that? And it's like, oh, no, this was the deadliest, but this was the costliest. Mm -hmm. And when you're digging through those things, you have to say like at some point, thank God, this is why I feel for authors, right? Because their literally entire lives is sitting there researching this stuff and trying not to be wrong because then people will just write you off immediately. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I do such in-depth research is because, number one, I'm a woman in a man's world. History is for dudes. And if I am going to come up in here and be like, yeah, I'm a lady, I'm going to talk about history, I have to be right because people will discount me. It's happened. I've seen it happen to other women history podcasters before. They get one fact wrong. And then the swarm of history-obsessed people are like, that's wrong, this is incorrect, blah, 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 blah. And it's almost happened to me a few times, but I combated them. And then number two, if you just get anything wrong in the history world at all, there goes your reputation. I'm not a historian, but I mean, I kind of am. An armchair historian, if you will but it can get pretty cutthroat out there because people are serious about their history. <laughs> well, you know, and a lot of people are just weird jerks anyway, which means you're always going to yeah. get them. I mean, it's a good time to point out that our podcasts are totally free. So like everyone out there just needs to relax about this stuff. Exactly. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> we have, both of us have day jobs, right? Like we, we do the best exactly. we can. <laughs> right? And it's just, it's just us. It's just us doing this, speaking into the void, doing all of this ourselves. So calm it down, you guys. This is free for you. <laughs> so how long does it take you? Um, uh, you know, listen to your podcast. Sometimes there'll be a different times, right? Duration. How long does it generally take you to 
go from I found my topic, I've researched it, I've recorded it. I mean, I, like I do intros and outros to every podcast. And when I first started, I was doing re-recording of them like four or five times. I'm like, oh, that sucked. I need to start all over again. So when you're doing it, do you still run into that? Or you just say, I'm going to hit record and whatever comes out, comes out. I do a little, uh, a mix of both. So from idea to upload, it takes me on average about two weeks per episode. And I do a lot of overlapping um, because I I just changed the format of my episode, but it used to be that my my episodes came out every other week and that just got to be too much. So now I'm going on a seasonal base. So I put out 10 episodes, one each week, and I take about a month and a half break in between. So on average, it takes about two weeks for me to really get in to the finding the topic, doing the research, making the script, recording and editing and making all of the social media for it, which takes an inordinate amount of time. Don't get me started. They can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, but sometimes they'll, they'll be shorter episodes. Usually I find biographies of people are so easy, so quick, so short. I just talk about it, research that one person, maybe have to like research a little bit of other stuff to get the context of the time period. But those are the easiest ones. I did the history of criminal tattoos in Japan. That episode took me four weeks to research because there was just so much information. It was absolutely bananas. Now, is it a lot of Googling? Are you reading books? If you find a good book on something, where are your main sources when you're doing it? Wikipedia, right? Yep. Wikipedia, everything on wiki. I'm like, Ooh, just, okay. read it just off copy and paste done. right into my script. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, but honestly, I do use Google, Google Scholar a lot is my like jam. I use a lot of Google Scholar, JSTOR. When it comes to Japanese history, I've got a lot of books that I read. When there's not a lot of information out about something, I use books a lot. I did an episode on Viking women and all of the misconceptions that there are about Viking women. And there's just no correct information on the internet. So it just depends on the topic, I guess. All right. Is there any topic you've started researching you fell in love with, but you couldn't get enough to do an episode for? Have you run into that? I fell in love with the idea and I thought that I didn't have enough information on it, but I was too far in to quit at that point because I had to produce an episode. The, the history of birthdays. <laughs> Dear like, Lord, can you get bigger than that? I know. It was just so broad, but at the same time, so little information that I could find that was like coherent to make an actual episode. The episode was fine. I just refuse to ever recommend it to anybody. If you're listening to this, please do not listen to that episode. It's so bad. It's going to be the first one everyone goes to now. Jeez, no. That is not, it is not a good example of my quality of work, please. Um, and there's just been a lot of episodes where like imposter syndrome comes in. Like this is this is garbage. I'm garbage. Nobody's gonna listen to this. I need to stop right now. Just quit the whole podcast. There's been a few episodes like that. Now I know this is a bit hard to do to anyone because it's kind of like asking who's your favorite student or something. But is there an episode that you've done that you're like 
this is the one. If I had to sell this podcast to anybody, this is where they should start. I, I've already told you which one mine is, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back. There's a few episodes, I think. So the the one that's off the top of my head right now is the the Empress Himiko episode. It's a it's a recent episode. Um and it basically spills some hot tea on the Japanese imperial family. <laughs> They're gonna kick you out. They're gonna kick me out. They're really like, listen, we liked you for a little bit. Now you're talking trash about the emperor. You, you literally cannot. Um <laughs> I think another really good one is the Samurai Women episode and then the Victorian Nipple Rings episode. That one definitely jumped out at me, pun intended. Right. That was a fun one. So I think those three are, are really, really good ones. Is there any part of history you won't touch? You refuse to just go anywhere near it? I sometimes cover people from World War II and World War One. But history world is so saturated with that kind of history that it's been said. And I don't have anything revolutionary to say about it. I have some revolutionary things to say about Japanese history or South American history or women's history, something like that. Just weird, random history, like the episode where I talked about how the fork was illegal at one point or when cats were excommunicated from the Catholic Church. I think I have more to give in those history areas than I do for like World War II or World War I history or the Cold War. I refuse to talk about that. I just don't get it. For you, what is the best part of podcasting? The best part of podcasting is when I get a message from a listener when they say, hey, I was having a bad day and then I listened to your podcast and now I feel better. Or, hey, I just wanted to say thank you for putting out your episodes because I drive by myself a lot for work and it makes me feel like I have a friend in the car with me. It could be a teeny tiny little message like, oh, this episode was cool. Thanks. (laughs) You like me. You really like me. (laughs) That just, that makes it all worthwhile for me. Yeah. What's the worst part? Editing. (laughs) I mean, it's the easy answer, right? That just, oh, Luckily for me, I make my producer, Mike, he does most of the editing, but every now and again, he'll be like, I need you to listen back, make sure everything's good. And I'm like, I don't want to hear me. It's great when I have a great guest because I'm like, oh, thank God they're talking now. But then I start, I'm like, you, you're the worst. (laughs) No one's going to listen. You're just the worst. So I guess in that way, imposter syndrome is the worst part of podcasting. Because like when you are doing a part of it that you love, you're like, yeah, I'm going to tell everybody about this. It's going to be great. They're gonna love it, and then you're doing something that's like less than fun. You're like, I am garbage. This is garbage. Why do I do this? Everybody hates me. I should just quit right now. So I think that's that's the worst part of podcasting. I think number two has to be social media, right? Once you put out the social media and people respond to it, like the likes are also like crack, right? Like just yeah, I just want a lot of likes and a lot of views and everything like that. But when I have to sit down, and again, I am so low tech when it comes to like <laughs> I'm just going to write the words, I'm going to steal a picture from somewhere and just credit them, and boom, I'm done. You've got your face on there. You're talking. You're all excited. <laughs> I can't do it. How do you find the energy to do it? Besides the fact that you're like a decade younger than me. (laughs) 
my mom said, since I was born, I've just been a born entertainer. At the age of two, sitting in a restaurant, just entertaining people. Like, watch me. I'm going to make you smile. Because truly, truly, I love making people laugh. I love doing silly things. And having a platform where I can tell people cool stuff and make people laugh at the same time and be silly is it's so nice. So that's how I find the energy to do it. Like the likes are really nice and more people listening to my podcast, the advertisement for my podcast is really nice, but being able to put myself out there, make people laugh, you know, while they're scrolling through things that make them feel bad is really, really nice. And you do a lot, like you'll take pictures of anywhere you go to show this cool stuff. But I do have to ask, how many times, I'm sure your husband is extremely supportive. I mean, technically, it was his idea almost. <laughs> but how yeah, often right? are you holding up the phone and he's like, again, can't, can't we just look at this to post a <laughs> picture of it? Can't we just be in the moment? He has never once ever done that. Saint. He's a saint. He is. My husband is the single most supportive person in my I mean, other than my mom, who's like, slay, go. Oh my God, you're the best. Like my mom and my husband are so supportive all the time. Like he actively comes up with episode topics sometimes. He watches my reels when I'm like, is this good? Should I say this instead? How about this? He's just so supportive all the time. And he'll straight up tell me, I don't think this is good. Don't post this. I'm like, okay, I won't. <laughs> I'm sure it goes that easy. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I worked really hard on this and I don't understand. <laughs> no. I always say, I'm like, listen, I do want your advice, but I also reserve the right to completely ignore it if I don't like it. Exactly. And he knows that. So, <laughs> All right. So I want to let you really nerd out for a second. Okay. The coolest story about Japan you have ever heard. You don't have to give us the whole story, but just enough to make anyone listening to this go, oh, I'm going to have to Google that because that sounds amazing. Well... I think one of the coolest stories is actually an episode that I covered once. The first empress of Japan, and she was the first technical samurai in Japan as well. Her name was Empress Jingu, and she's kind of almost Japan's King Arthur, because we're not really sure if she was alive or not. We've got evidence of her existence in Japan's two oldest historical slash mythology books. Her husband died and she was pregnant and she basically banded the whole country together to go and fight Korea. So they all hopped on a boat. She was pregnant. She went to Korea, defeated Korea, but not a single person died on either side is what the legend says. And they said that she was glowing like she was the goddess Amaterasu herself. People just bowed down to her. She conquered the country. And they were like, oh, we're sorry. We won't come to Japan anymore. We'll have nice trade with you. And then she comes back, becomes the empress of Japan. And then after, it's been almost like a year since she's been pregnant, she finally gives birth to the first emperor of Japan. And it's just such an interesting story with history and also mythology mixed into it. I just, I love it so much. That story is really, really cool. It does sound cool. 
And then I would have to say the women's history that's involved in Japanese history. When you think of Japan, you think of samurai, right? Samurai and shoguns and military leaders and the emperor. But women's history is so fascinating. This is like kind of dark, but there was a cult, a a menstruation cult in Japan. (laughs) Where the women would do like blood sutras and it was just the darkest cult ever and it was run by women and it like took over half of japan for a while so there's a lot of cults here in japan there's a lot of dark history there's a lot of mythology that is just so fascinating and i highly highly recommend listening to the japanese history podcast episodes (laughs) i mean that took a hard left turn there right at the very end i'll tell you what Don't be sorry. It's history. People need to know about this stuff because human beings are super weird. Human beings are so super weird. If you will allow me a digression, I am fascinated with Japanese folktales, yokai. I love yokai because if you look at yokai that popped up at different periods in Japanese history, it kind of reveals what was going on during the time. And there's one yokai that is basically a ghost of a person that's buried in the foundation of a temple or a castle. Human sacrifice was a thing in Japan during the early Edo period when people were building lots of temples, lots of castles. So if a temple or a castle was built close to a river and the foundation kept being washed away, or if there was an earthquake in that area or something like that, They would bury willing volunteers in the foundation of that building in order to appease the gods so that they wouldn't set the building on fire or have it be destroyed by a flood or an earthquake or something like that. And that person's family, the volunteer's family, would get money and a title and everything that they could possibly want from the people who were sponsoring that building. Isn't that so crazy? People are so weird. Well, you inspired me because one of the history nerd nuggets I did a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, you know what? I should do a Japanese one and found out that the oldest active company in the world is in Japan. It's a company that's been building Buddhist temples since like 690 or something like that. So cool. That's why Japanese history is so cool. It's so long. It's so old. And there's so many different eras. Each era is like a totally different country, it seems like. So now, all right, listen, I ask all these authors this final question, right? Yeah. And it's because I really want people to, you know, you're talking to somebody super nerdy Mm -hmm. who does a podcast, writes a book, and it's kind of like, this person is not like me. They don't do Mm -hmm. the things that we do. They're not normal. So what I need you to do is I need you to tell me, what's your favorite trash TV that you watch when you're not researching for history? What is just the worst of the worst that you're just kind of like, I don't want to admit out loud that I watch this, but I do. 90 Day Fiance. It's a popular one. It's That comes up quite a few times. Love is Blind and 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day Fiance. And there is a Japanese trash TV show that my husband and I watch all the time. It's called Terrace House. And it's basically almost like the Japanese version of Big Brother. So much drama and dumb things. And I love it. It's so good. Terrace House. It's on, I wonder if it's on the American Netflix. It's on Japanese Netflix. But if you Google Terrace House, mm, so trashy. So good. So scandalous. (laughs) I mean, that's a new one. People are going to be very excited. I think you're going to get some comments on that one. 
excellent. Please watch Tara's house. <laughs> Taya, thank you so much. Everyone should listen to your podcast for the love of history. It's fantastic. Thank you for being here. Of course. It was so lovely. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, TK. You're amazing. For the Love of History podcast, find her on Instagram. Listen to all of her episodes. Seriously, she's so interesting. You heard her. She's so much fun. While you're doing that, make sure you're checking out the History Nerd United Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Make sure you're listening to all of our podcasts. Reach out to us. Let us know what you're liking, nerds. Until then, later. Later.